It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and we are here on Inspired Choices Network. And I am so excited to talk to you this week about a topic that has affected nearly all of us. It's called overwhelm, how to kick it to the curb. So I want to tell you a little bit of a story. My dad sent me this comic strip yesterday. It was a for better or worse comic strip. If you've ever seen that, it's a modern day family. They have two kids. I think it's two kids, two adults, and they are managing day to day. And so this mom in this comic strip, the mom and the daughter are talking and the daughter says, hey, mom, I want to do this additional activity. And Mike, which is the brother, he wants to do this additional activity. And you can see the mom, how is this even going to be possible? And so throughout the script, she's she's talking about all the different activities. So on Monday, you're doing this. And on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And now you want to do this on Friday? And the girl says, yeah, isn't it great structure? And the mom is pulling her hair out. And I, I, I saw that comic strip. And of course, my dad sent it to me because... My three boys are back in school. And if anything like you, for the last year and a half, it's been pretty, it's been different. A lot of us cut back on activities with our kids and we're still running businesses. And thank goodness we did cut back on activities because business has been crazy. We pivoted, you know, 15,000 different times. And so, so now there's less pivoting in business and more moving forward, more traction, more, a lot of people are doing return to work or they're not doing return to work and they're focused on remote. So we don't have as many movements, but now what's happening, we're into the fall. And for those of us with kids, we are high into activity time. So I'm going to give you just a glimpse into what a week of my schedule looks like. And I know that my schedule is just reflective of your schedule and of everybody else's out there. But my husband and I, we worked out a, a plan my kids go to private school. So we have this wonderful elementary school in our backyard, which they could easily walk to. And they don't. <laughs> we didn't choose that for them. And that's on us. So we drive them to school and back, which means that in the morning, my husband does the school drop-offs. And in the afternoons, I do the pickups, except for Wednesday nights. On Wednesday nights, instead of us doing it, my dad does it. So we've created a space for ease for ourselves. So on Monday mornings, we actually leave at a, they leave at a normal time, but on Tuesdays and Thursdays, my middle son has band on Fridays. He starts chess club this week. So we'll have three days, which will go earlier on Friday morning. Chess club starts at seven 15, but the other two don't have to be there until eight Oh five. So you sit in the parking lot and that brings up a whole other, like, do you do your homework there? What do you do in the parking lot? Do you let them watch TV? Like what? what do we do during this time? Do they go play on the playground? Like there's just, it's just a space of time we get to fill or we just sit idly. So that's an option too. But in the afternoon, here's where it gets tricky. Okay. So we got told last week that my son who raised his hand to be in show choir, to try out for show choir with a 24 hours notice that he gets to be at show choir practice at 4.15. So for all of us that are working, <laughs> what? How are we going to make this happen? And that's in addition to all the other things that are happening. So Monday afternoons, we don't have anything after school. Tuesday afternoons, my oldest has band. 
Wednesday evenings, my oldest has choir. Thursday, my oldest has band. So, and then Friday, he, we have some kind of mix of, of other commitments that they've made with friends, with studying. So I could go on and on and on, but these are the kinds of things we're carrying in our schedules. I actually have a Google, a Google calendar that my husband and I share that's just got kid commitments. And then I have another calendar that hangs on the refrigerator so the kids can see what's coming. Now, this is, I haven't even gotten into what business looks like. This is all what happens in the morning and at night. And so when I sit down for breakfast with my kids, especially on Monday mornings, we're talking about what the week looks like. And I'm, my goal is to get them to understand what it looks like so that they know. Now, this morning when I got up, my middle son comes in and he says, hey, Hayden hasn't said to you yet, but he wants to stay after school and learn how to draw animals with the art teacher. Awesome. Who wouldn't want to support that? That is so great. But it's an extra thing after school. And so in that moment, I have a choice. As much as I want to go into, oh my gosh, how is this going to work? And it's this total freak out mode because it does alter my calendar. And if I've got calls scheduled after that, it definitely impacts my schedule but yet I want my son to have this experience. If he's interested in learning how to draw animals better, absolutely, I'm gonna support that. So it's really, really easy to shame people that are in overwhelm. And it's really easy to shame ourselves when we're in overwhelm. But we're constantly caught in this moment of, what do I do here? Because I've got all of these commitments that are conflicting. Not to mention, I'm just gonna give you another example in this. We had a friend that passed away in the last few weeks. And so my husband and I dropped everything to be at a funeral Thursday out of town. Now, luckily my dad stepped in and he handled it and it was awesome because he handled all that stuff. But I see how these things kind of pop up into our schedules. I was reading an article as I was preparing for this show. And it was, this guy wrote this article about how leaders that are overwhelmed are bad leaders. And what I want you to know in this moment is that If you're in overwhelm, you're not a bad leader. His point was, from what I'm understanding, was that you get to see what's coming as a leader. You get to see what's coming and react to that. And if you can't see what's coming and react to it, then you're a bad leader. And my point is, especially when it comes to all these conflicting, I'm giving the example of kids, but you can insert whatever it is for you, your dogs, your your animals, your uh, Maybe you're you're caregiving a parent. Maybe you've got some other commitments, your volunteer commitments. Maybe it's just your level of commitment at your work. Whatever it is, we've got things that are coming up out of nowhere at any moment. And so how we choose to react to them is a way that we learn. And if we choose in that moment, maybe we don't choose the best path. Maybe we don't choose the one that is the ideal, but we're going to learn from it. So does that make us a bad anything? No, no. And so this is where we get to give ourselves grace in overwhelm. That's really the very, the the very first thing is to give ourselves grace and really understand what overwhelm is. It overwhelm is when you have a lot of commitments coming at you at once, and it's how you choose to deal with it. If you choose to be under the commitments, meaning that you are, you are concerned, you're, you're coming across as tired, angry, emotionally volatile, that's not serving you. And it's really not serving the people around you. And so we get to say, okay, this overwhelm is coming up. 
Now, for me, when I'm sensing overwhelm, I can actually feel it in my chest. It's, it's uh, my heart starts to beat faster. And so one of the tools that I use, and we'll get into to supportive tools here in just a little bit, but one of the tools I use is to take a really deep breath and know what it is that's coming up. So owning that overwhelm is something that we can all experience. And you'll hear people, I've studied in the emotional intelligence world extensively, and you'll hear people in that world that say, overwhelm is a choice, don't step into it. And I get that. It is 100% overwhelm is a choice. And this is where we can get into the shaming. It's like, okay, I get that it's a choice, but it's a practice to choosing it. It's a practice. And when we're in the practice, one of the things that can be really detrimental is to shame ourselves during the practice. So this is what I'm saying. When I say give yourself grace, I mean, know that you're in the practice. There's a lot of stuff that's coming at us. And you're not going to always, when you're in a state of where you've got a lot of things that you're managing, being clear on deadlines can be very specific because even, or you get to be very specific about that because when somebody sees you as timely and reliable, and then all of a sudden you're not, you're not appearing timely and relevant to them, reliable, they don't know what's happening. They don't know that there's a million commitments coming at you right now and you're working through them. All they know is typically she is her word. And when she says she's going to get something done on time, she does it, but now she's not. So they don't know why. So one of the things that you can do to support yourself and the people around you when you're feeling these, these feelings of overwhelm is to be clear about what's happening. So when I say, hey, it is back to school and we are going through a bunch of commitments right now. We're working on some big movements in our company, which is true. We've got a lot of big movements in our company. We've got all these things happening right now. The priority that's in front of me is absolutely a priority. It's just not as high of a priority as it typically is. Here's when you can expect to have these from me, whatever it is that they want, that whoever's asking for a commitment from you. So being clear on what's going on with you, it's not that you're saying, wow, I'm underwater, I'm drowning. And I can never get something done for you. It's being clear that if there's a commitment that's coming at you, you're you're seeing all these commitments around you. Great. Pause. Take a deep breath. Understand what's coming up for you. And then be clear with the people around you. So I'll put this into a perfect example. When my son is talking about wanting to work with his art teacher tonight, and I know that, okay, I can adjust some schedules. My, my middle son, who was telling me about this, he actually says, I worked through a plan for you. If you just come to Carline later towards the end of it, like you're the last person in Carline, by the time you get through, he'll already be done. My son, my 10-year-old had presented me with a solution to helping his older brother get art time. I mean, imagine if your employees could, could, could do that. Like, wow, wouldn't that be so cool? That would be ideal. So, so when people understand that you've got a lot coming at you and you get to work through it, when they work as a team to figure out the solution that's going to work best for you, that is powerful. That is playing team. So when my 10-year-old comes to me and says, Hayden, his older brother, wants this additional art team and here's the solution and how we can make it work so that it doesn't actually take more time off your plate, mom, will you do this? It's a really easy yes. It's such an easy yes. And so that's the power of surrounding people around you. 
So there is no shaming and overwhelm. When you're in overwhelm, it's being clear about what's going on and what's coming up for you. And it's having those people around you that can lift you up. In this moment, it came from my 10-year-old, which is beautiful. But that hasn't always been the case. So I have worked really hard on sharing what it's like to carry the multiple commitments. What I found is that in posting the calendar on the refrigerator so they can see everything that's going on, they know that one little shift can dramatically change a lot of things. And so they're attuned to that. Now think about that. And I'm sharing this from the perspective of a mom who's also got a lot of their commitments, but think about that in your work, in your business. What if we were that transparent with our employees? What if we shared the, the, the things that were coming at us, not from a place of weakness, but from a place of these are all the things that are on my mind. These are all the things that I'm working through. And so I hear what you're saying and I get to honor it. I want to honor it. But in this moment, it gets to be priority number three or four or five or whatever that is for you. So they know that it's still important, but they know also that you've got this, 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 and this, whatever those are for you, that you get to place higher. One of the questions that I ask my employees, my clients, my my kids, my husband, anybody that's around me that has some kind of commitment that they're asking of me and that I desire to honor. If it's a no, it's a no. It's not even on this list. But if it's a yes, I really want to honor it. I say, could you support me in understanding the level of importance of this? If it's not like red flag hot number one, I get to understand where in the rankings it is. And one of the pieces on the flip side of this that I found is that when I ask commitments of other people, sometimes I'm not clear on that, especially with my husband, who's my business partner. Okay, so I can ask things of him, but I I don't give him the level of importance that I deem that it is. Hear that, that I deem that it is. And how is he supposed to know? Because maybe he assigned something a level one importance and I deem it a level 10 importance. So I'm thinking this is really, really important. Top of the list stuff. And he was like, not so important. That's going to cause a really big challenge. So think about that. How often are you not communicating the level of importance that you're placing on a commitment that somebody else is involved and then it causes a challenge, but does that doesn't help overwhelm. That just creates further overwhelm. So there's really understanding the level of importance that you're placing on something can support someone else in supporting themselves and and really getting that commitment complete. Really getting that complete. So I want you to think about how that applies to you. What's a commitment that you asked of somebody else that you didn't share the importance of it and they took it as a different level of importance than you did? Probably less important. And what happened? Did it cause a challenge, a fight, a rift? What happened in that moment? Did it cause you anger or frustration? Did it cause you to slip behind in your other commitments? Did it take more of your time than it needed to? Probably a yes to all of those. And if that's the case, the way to solve that is to be crystal clear on what your level of commitment, your level of priority that you're placing on that. I want you to think about that. We're going to go on a quick break. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Enjoy this quick break. We'll talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. 
That's KathleenReason.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reason Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Today, we're talking about overwhelm, how to kick it to the curb. One of the things that I found out when I was researching this show was about how overwhelm manifests itself, so how it shows up in your body. So we talked about earlier the, the emotional volatility. It can also show up as numbness, but there's other physical signs, which is, is crazy to me that you can have so many physical signs based on these, this challenge of having all these commitments come at you. So you think about headaches, back pain, digestive issues, fatigue, insomnia. Those are all examples of physical pain that you can experience because you have this feeling of overwhelm. And so nobody wants that. It's not great. When you go to the doctor's office, they're not saying, hey, I uh, just wanted to let you know, I think it's actually overwhelm that's causing this. That's not, that's not a typical conversation. So we get to be attuned to what's happening and know that when we have all these commitment times, like, like the beginning of the school year, that's going to be a natural commitment time. Or it's maybe it is uh, year end, when especially like accountants. They're going to have a lot of challenges at year end because they are wrapping up year end. So there's these natural time periods, which whatever that means for you, where we can say, okay, there's going to be a lot happening in this time period. One of us, for, for most of us, is right around the holidays. So between Thanksgiving and Christmas, there's usually a lot that's happening. There's travel, there's seeing other, seeing our families, there's gift giving. There's, for a lot of us that have lost relatives over the last year and a half, there's a lot of emotions that come up with that. And so it can be easy to get into a space of overwhelm, meaning I'm just, I can't do it anymore. And you don't even know what you're saying, I can't do it anymore for. You don't know why it's coming up, but you're experiencing these symptoms. So the next question is, well, then what do I do about it? So I know like, okay, great, Kathleen, I hear you. I'm in overwhelm. What do I do about it? And that's the key question. When you're there, when you're asking yourself, okay, I see the problem, I get it, but what do I do about it? That really is the first step. And know that overwhelm is not something that you address once and then it's never going to come up again. It's something that's going to constantly come up, but remember, practice so it gets easier to pull yourself out of it. And so there's a few different things you can do. One is to stop, which is counterintuitive, really, when you're thinking, gosh, I'm working all the time. I have all of these commitments. How do I stop? But I'll tell you what, I have had shingles twice. So for any of you that have had shingles, it is painful. I actually did. I had them when I was 35 
two times when I was 35. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. Why would, why would a 35 year old get shingles? I had heard of it as a disease that somebody got when they were in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. You can't even get a shingles shot until you're at least 55. Here, here where I live, we can't get a shingles shot, which means that's, that's the vaccine that's, that's uh, supposedly presenting or preventing shingles. But you can't even get that for 20 years after I was diagnosed with shingles. And here's what was happening when I got shingles. I was stressed to the max. I was running seven businesses. I was, I had three young children. They were four, two, and a little under a year. I was tired. I didn't feel like I was being supported by my business partner. My husband was traveling all the time. I, I could go on and on. But the reality was, I was tired. And one day I noticed I had some pain in my back. And I didn't know what was going on. It was right, it was just to the right of my backbone. There was two spots. And then it was just a further, if you went all the way around the rest of my body, to the, towards the front of my body, it, in a very direct line, I could feel it again. So coming in from my backside and from my front side, but on the, the right half of my body. And I just didn't know what was going on. And my mom was a nurse and I I called her up and I said, mom, I I don't understand what's happening. I have this pain. I've never had this pain before, but there's two different spots. And my mom who works with a lot of older people, she didn't really even think to say, well, I wonder if this is shingles, nothing like that. She just said, huh, that's peculiar. Just rest. How am I supposed to rest? I was, I was teaching for a fitness facility. We, we owned these gyms. I was teaching three and four days a week. I was running kids everywhere. I was running these businesses. I was what I thought was handling everything well. I wouldn't have said I was in overwhelm. And I got to a point at work where I just hit a wall. I was exhausted. Like, when I said I was tired earlier, the point that I hit now was exhaustion. I could not drive my car home. I was so tired, like sleeping on my desk, tired. (laughs) I called my mom up and I said, mom, I can't go. I'm so tired. I don't know what's going on, but something's happening. So she came, she picked me up. She drove me to her house and I, I, I took a really long nap. And when I got up, she said, show me where the pain is. And I showed her and there were two very distinct circles in those places. And it followed the nerve line. And she says, you have shingles. And then she says, I didn't think about it before because you're 35, but actually people that are younger are getting it more frequently. And so at the time when I got shingles, I thought, oh, I just got to get past this. I just got to get over this, this pain that I'm experiencing right now. Now, if you've ever had shingles or you know somebody that had, it is not a fun disease. So I actually had pain shooting down my foot from the the nerves. And there's there's this medicine that you can take that is supposed to support you in not having long-term damage. Some people get shingles on their face, which is incredibly painful. So it's just this really random disease. It comes from chicken pox as a kid. If you have that in your body, it, it can flare up as shingles as an adult. And so so I had these shingles. They eventually healed. It took a few months till I really got my energy back. And then I said, well, I'm past that. And I didn't change a single thing. 
Not one thing, not one thing. And so what a surprise when about six months later, the same pain came back. It was in a little bit different spot, but it came back. I could feel the same pain in my foot and I knew exactly what it was this time. But this time I said, I get to make changes. I called my mom up. I said, mom, you'll never believe it. The shingles are back. And she just laughed and she says, of course they are. You haven't changed a thing. Thanks. But it was so having that person in your life that can just be blunt with you is, is beautiful thing because that's exactly what I needed to hear. Haven't changed a thing. And that's who I am for a lot of people. You know, there's always that person of, I don't want to call them because they're just going to tell me how it is. Well, that's for me, that was my mom. And, you know, she's, as you've caught any of the things I've talked about, she died last November, but I, I got to, I got to allow other people to serve that role for me too. And so think about that for you. Who is that person that serves that role for you? That's holding up the mirror and saying, of course, your shingles are back. You didn't do anything about them. And so what she did in that moment, she texted my husband and said, Kathleen's out. Like she's not doing anything for a few days. We get to make some changes. I pulled myself off of the teaching schedule. So I wasn't teaching classes anymore. I got support in kid pickup. I did what I could at work, but I asked for support from employees. It was a really great lesson in how to minimize the stuff that I was doing. I didn't have to be the one that ran my kids everywhere. My kids could have gone to daycare after school and picked them up later. Like there were all these options that I could have chosen that I wasn't choosing. And today, that's still the case. If there's absolutely ways that we could eliminate, if there's something that's stressing us out, we get to look at and be creative about how we're doing it. So sometimes stopping and resting, even in this crazy time, like whatever's happening around you, it feels like you got to keep going because everything will just collapse if you don't. But here's the beautiful thing. Sometimes you get to let it collapse. Sometimes you get to let it collapse. I was running an organization, a nonprofit organization, totally volunteer, putting 30, 40 hours a week in addition, just before kids, in addition to my full-time job. I was holding up this organization. And I didn't want to do it anymore. But I kept doing it because I thought, if I don't do it, who will? And then I realized that if nobody else wants to, then why does this organization even exist? What's the purpose of it? Really, what's the purpose? Because if others aren't seeing enough value in it to want to lift it up and support it, then maybe it does get to fall. Then maybe it's okay. And I know that somebody listening today, listening to this show today gets to hear those words because you're holding something up that is feeling like it's just you. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's a nonprofit that you're volunteering in. Maybe it's something for your kids, whatever that is. Maybe it's your family, whatever that is here that if others aren't as invested in it, maybe it's okay to let it fall. And those were the words that I got to hear. And I'll tell you what, when I let go, when I stepped out, when I was clear that it was not going to be my top priority, or in my top three priorities, or even in my top five priorities. I thought it was going to fall. I was willing to pay that price. And you know what happened? Other people stepped in that I wouldn't even have imagined would have stepped in. But what I realized was me holding it up didn't actually create space for them to be a part of it. 
Now take that into the scenario of my middle son coming to me with a solution about how we could we could get Caden to his animal drawing art class while not taking any more time in the pickup line. This is my 10-year-old thinking, my 10-year-old son applying critical thinking skills. How cool is that? But if they just would have come to me and said, mom, here's a challenge, solve it for me, I would have. But I would have robbed them of the opportunity to work together as a team and solve that problem. I would have robbed them of that opportunity. And so think about that. How much of your overwhelm is caused because you're lifting it up like nobody else is going to step in? And what would happen if you just let go? You see exact same thing if you close your fist right now. Do this. Close your fist. Close it as tight as you can. Squeeze it so it's uncomfortable. And now I want you to start to open it slowly, ever so slowly. Slowly, slowly, slowly. Open it up. So keep going. Oh, feel that pain. Mine is, I can feel the tingling of my hands, but open it up so slow. You're about halfway right now. Pause, hold your hand halfway out. You have a choice. You can go back to holding a fist as tight as possible, or you can go all the way. Knowing going all the way is going to cause you some pain. You go right back, it'll feel comfortable in the minute. Which are you going to choose? Right now, you got to choose. You got to choose. You got to choose. I'm going to choose to keep going. Ah. Extending my fingers, I actually, I feel some pain right now. But I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep opening it up all the way, all the way, all the way. Ah, it's really uncomfortable. I want to go really fast, but I'm keeping a steady pace. Oh my gosh, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. <sighs> my hand is now all the way open. How about you? Now it feels good. What I just demonstrated to you is exactly what it feels like in overwhelm. You got pain and you got to either choose where you know where it's comfortable with pain or you got to feel the pain all the way out to stretch it out to let your hand open it up. Your hand opening up is what it is that you really want. And so in overwhelm, you're constantly choosing, am I going to take the pain that I know or am I going to explore it to what it is that I really want? That's the choice you're making in overwhelm every single day. If you want to kick overwhelm to the curb, it's about understanding that the choices, the stuff that's in front of you, the commitments that are in front of you, they may or may not be aligned to what it is that you really want in your work and in your life. And so just like with your fist, you can keep it closed or you can open it up. It's going to be painful in that process. But in overwhelm, when we're, when we're actually stopping, resting and being calm, what we're doing is evaluating these commitments that we're making. Are they important to us? Are we just making them because we're people pleasing? Because it's what we thought our employees wanted. It's what we thought our family wanted. Is that why we're making these commitments? The only way, the only, only way to step out of overwhelm is to be authentic to you, to what you hold that vision. You know what's best for your company, for the role that you hold, hold in that company, and you know what's best for you and your family. And so holding the vision and making commitments that are aligned to that, that's how you create this space where you're not in overwhelm. Okay, that's how you do it. We don't care what anybody else thinks. That's easier said than done, but it really doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It's about what you think. It's about what you think. Okay, guys, we're going to go on a quick break. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. When we get back, we've got more. Enjoy. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. 
How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reason Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reason Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. We are talking all about overwhelm, kicking it to the curb. One of the things that we talked about right before break was how to actually stop once you realize that overwhelm is happening, which is really the first step, then what do you do? What do you do? So first is stop, rest, take a deep breath, realize what you're, that you're in it. Okay, the second way, another way you can use it, a tool that you can use is actually to, to change how we think about multitasking. I don't believe that multitasking exists. Now, I'd be somebody that would say, wow, I have a really great multitasker. But what it means is I'm really great at shifting from uh, one task to another, to another, to another really quickly. But there's actually no such thing as multitasking. It doesn't exist. You look at our brains, we can really only focus on one thing at a time. Now, the people that are really great at multitasking, what they're doing is they're going from file to file. If you think about your, your mind as a file cabinet, they're going from file to file to file to file to file to file to file that quickly, maybe even 10,000 times quicker. My voice just can't go any quicker than that. So from file to file to file, we're just moving through all of those. And so they can, so somebody that's great at the concept of multitasking means I can handle a lot of different thoughts in a very tight time period. But lots that the, the goal is to move from multitasking to monotasking, monotasking. It means one task at a time. So instead of giving a nanosecond to a task and then moving to another task, what we do is we're actually going to spend more time focused on an individual task, complete it, and then move to the next one. Complete that and then move to the next one. Because when we work in that fashion, we actually create completion on our commitments. And then it's not, you're not your mind's not thinking, Wow, I have 15 open commitments that I just constantly bounce between. Your mind is thinking, okay, I have 15 commitments. I completed one. Now I'm going to go to the next one. I completed that. Now I'm going to go to the next one. Now, instead of 15, you might have 12 commitments. But if you're multitasking, you pretty much always have 15 until you have none. You almost always have 15 until you add none. But if you monotask, you go from 15 to 14 to 13 to 12 to 11, so on and so forth, till you have no more. And so that's the goal is you get to zero. But monotasking supports your mind, which brings us into the next tool, which is to control your mind. I mean, our minds are crazy. If I could really, probably a science experiment. <laughs> when I grew up, my dad was a, was a neuroscientist. And so we had brains around our house. Our house. He had a rat brain and a, a sheep brain. A rat brain and a sheep brain. And the rat brain was tiny. It was in this little glass case and the sheep brain was bigger. And so we got to see these, these brains. He, he would have them, he'd bring them home quite a bit. 
And if he was going to go talk to a class, like a high school class or an elementary school class, he worked at a university. If he was going to go talk to the classes, he would bring them home. Now they sit up on a shelf. So anytime I walk into his house, I can see these brains. And what I, what I saw was that the inner workings, the rat brain is, is really tiny, really t- like the size of maybe a, a dime. And, but there's different, like you, you can't, it's the cortex, you can see the spinal cord, all, you can see the different levels of the brain. Well, the sheep brain's a little bit bigger because sheeps are bigger. Now a human brain, I say would be even bigger. Now he's got models of human brains, but not, I haven't actually seen a, a brain in a case, a human brain. But what I know to be true is that our brains are really fascinating places and they can work for us. But if we don't manage our thoughts, they can really work against us. Now, in June, we went through an episode that was about the neuroscience of emotions. And I actually had my dad on there. We talked about a lot of these emotions and we we dug into the science behind that. So if this is something you're interested in, go check that episode out. I maybe June 24th, it's right around there. So when I talk about controlling your thoughts, the, the brain is designed to keep us safe. It's why when a burner is on and it's red, you're not going to put your hand on it because you've learned that if I put my hand on a hot burner, I'm going to burn my hand and I don't want to do that. So the brain is designed to keep us safe. Now think about that when we are growing in our businesses, in our families, when we are visions, we have visions that are that are big, we haven't been somewhere before, it can be scary, there can be risk involved, and our brain is going to trigger us like, that's a hot oven, don't touch it. So your brain is firing up, not safe, not safe, not safe. Even though what we know we're talking about here when we're, when we're walking into a path we've never walked before, it's not that it's not safe, it's that we haven't been there before. And so our thoughts are going to tell us, hold back, don't go there. And we get to control our thoughts. We get to tell ourselves, it's okay. It's okay. Because when our mind is on fire telling us it's not okay, you're not safe, we're going to want to pull back, retreat. That's the space of overwhelm. These things are coming at us. It's not safe. You're not safe. If you hear that over and over again, then you're going to start to get overwhelmed. Unless you can tell yourself, calm down, brain, it's okay. Where we're going, we've never been before. We've got people around us that are going to support us. We're okay. Almost like talking to yourself, like like your brain or your thoughts are are someone different. And I do know in in some of my clients' cases, we actually name those thoughts, the the entity of those thoughts. So for example, if if, uh, my thoughts are constantly wanting to keep me safe, So the thoughts that I have in my mind, Kathleen, don't do that. Like that's not going to be safe or productive. I might call that person Kate. So my full name is Kathleen. I don't like it when it's shortened. I am Kathleen. But so the name Kate. Now I know lots of people named Kate. It's a beautiful name. But for me, that's not who I am. So if I call that Kate, then I, when I hear those thoughts, I could say, hey, Kate, I get it. I hear you. And we're going to be okay. What that does is calm those thoughts. So when we control our thoughts here, I don't have to, when I'm just hearing it, when I'm hearing my thoughts go wild, emotional intelligence is about seeing that for what it is and saying, it's okay, Kate, thank you for showing up. Thank you for protecting us. And 
I'm okay. We're okay. It's going to be okay. That allows Kate to calm down. And when I'm controlling my thoughts, when I have less thoughts going on, then it's easier to move through overwhelm. So think about that. If you have lots of thoughts going on in your head, it doesn't make you crazy. It doesn't make you crazy. It just means that we all have these, these centers of thoughts that are our brain designed to keep us safe. So know what it is. Give it a name. You can give it a name, whatever that is for you, Kate, whatever you want to call it. Bozo the clown, I don't really care, but give it a name and then know that's what it is. So every, like think about a superhero, they have some kind of power. You know, Iron Man has his suit, Thor has his hammer, Hulk has his size. So think about that for you. You know what your superpower is against these thoughts. And when you're controlling your thoughts, you're just going to give that antidote. So for me, when I hear these thoughts about it's not safe, I say, it's okay. We're safe. We're going to be okay. That's the thing that calms it. Just like Thor with his hammer, pulling down his hammer and protecting. It's the same thing. Only we don't have to have a hammer. We don't have to have a size like Hulk. And we don't have to have a big suit like Iron Man. We have our own antidotes to calm those thoughts. And then we go into developing trust. This is so important because sometimes this can get kind of confusing and it can be great to have an ally. So developing trust with the people around you, just like in the case where I was telling you that my 10-year-old son came up and told me uh, what a solution might be so that his big brother could have his art lesson. You get to look at the people around you and say, who is that that I can pour into and articulate what's going on for me? One of the things that I hear all the time is that as an executive, it's lonely at the top. It's lonely at the top. And that's absolutely true. It could be that. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Because people don't need to understand your circumstances or your situation, but they get to understand you. And you, my friend, are human. You, my friend, have a beating heart and a thumpy brain and blood flowing through you just like everybody else. And so you, my friend, get to develop trust with other people around you, whether that's with a coach, an advisor, a neighbor, a spouse, whoever it is around you, you get to develop trust about what's coming up for you. And most of the time, when people come to me, they say, but people around me don't get me. They don't get the the businesses that I run or the, the situations that I have. Great. If that's your story, make sure that the person that you develop trust with is somebody that can understand that. That's why I work with a lot of executives because I've run seven businesses. I get the complexity. Most all of my clients have kids. Why? Because I have kids. And so I can understand that challenge. So make sure that you look at what's unique for you and you can find people like that. You don't have to. That's not a requirement, but it is something that's nice because they automatically get you. When somebody comes to me, And I told you this last week, the number one question that I get is, do I want to quit my business? Whether they started the business from scratch or they work in the business, the question they're asking is, do I want to quit my business? And really what's underneath that is the sense of overwhelm, the sense of boredom. There's a lot of stuff that's coming up that we dig into. But because I have sold a business, because I have closed a business, because I have walked away from a business, because I have started businesses from scratch, on and on and on and on. 
I get where they're coming from. So for you, look at what your biggest challenge is. And you can either find somebody that's gone through that before, that's walked the path, the, the path that you want to go, or find somebody that you're willing to trust and get your circumstances out of the way. Because that's, that's really what they are when you think about it. They're just, they're circumstances. There's something that's happening around us. They aren't who we are. And somebody that's going to be a really great support to you. You get to open up and share with them what you're feeling. Now, a lot of us in the fast-paced world that we live in, we don't have time for feelings. That was me for a long, long time. I was a self-prescribed rock. When somebody around me had feelings, I would say, they're there, it's okay. Pat them on the back. They're there, it's okay. Now, you know, in the past year and a half, I've cried on this radio show. I've, you know, like all these feelings that have come up. I spent the last three and a half years focused on emotional intelligence because what I've learned is that stuffing those emotions down, pretending we don't have them or we don't want them to show up because it's not the right time, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for your employees. It doesn't work for your families. It most certainly does not work for your children because it'll come up. It'll always come up, but it'll come up at unique times that aren't supportive to you. That is a guarantee. All right, guys, we're going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to wrap up this entire show so that we can kick overwhelm to the curb. We don't need that overwhelm. Enjoy this quick break. You're listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. See you in a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. And today we've been talking about all about overwhelm and how to kick it to the curb. Overwhelm is not something that we get to be shamed about. It's that feeling that happens when we've got all of these commitments that are coming at us. Sometimes we've said yes when we don't want to say yes. But the question that I have for you when we wrap all this up is about how we support others when we see them in overwhelm. Remember when we seen overwhelm, it's how we experience it, but we can also see it in others. So if you're seeing somebody that's just exhausted, somebody that maybe has physical pains, somebody that's got a lot going on, their kids are back in school, they're juggling a lot of different commitments, they are having a hard time concentrating or listening. It can be really easy to be mad or angry about these things that you're seeing in somebody else. But what I invite you to do is to be curious to be kind and to use grace with them. Just like I invited you earlier to use it with yourself, you get to use it for other people too. And I, so I was at a, a funeral last week for a, a friend who committed suicide. And what I wanna share is that sometimes, sometimes we think that we've gotta use a lot of words to support somebody. Sometimes I think I gotta use a lot of words to support somebody. But the reality is sometimes support looks like showing up and shutting up and just sitting, three S's, showing up, shutting up, sitting. <laughs> Hadn't thought about that till now. But sometimes what people need is just a space with a friend. Doesn't mean you've had that friend forever. 
You may just be in that moment where you happen across somebody who's in a time of need. And it doesn't matter if words are coming out of their mouth or you're just sitting sitting idly with them. Letting them know that somebody else cares. That there's somebody else in this world that's willing to be open for them. This may be when you're walking in the park and you see somebody who's just doesn't, doesn't appear that they have it all together. It may be when you walk into somebody's office and you see that they just need a moment. They might want that moment in silence, but they won't, might want that moment with somebody else. And so you can say, hey, is it okay if I just sit here with you? And then just be quiet. Doesn't have to be about words. For me as a mom, this has been one of the hardest things for me to, for me to understand. As an employee, it's a little bit easier for me, which is really interesting. And I, I mean, think about that for yourself. Is it easier to be quiet with your employees than it is with your kids? Because my kids, I want to solve that problem. I want to jump in. I don't want them to feel pain. With my employees as adults, I'm willing to give them the space to have that pain and to work through it. But with my kids, I really want to move them through it quickly. And I realize that that's not serving my kids. Everybody gets to have that space to just be with themselves, be with someone else. And it doesn't have to require words. We can communicate on such a deeper level that has nothing to do with words. Words actually are irrelevant a lot of the time. I say that after having been on this show for 50 plus minutes, (laughs) words are important in certain places, but sometimes being with somebody doesn't require words. And in the case of uh, the situation that when, when people choose, like, like, like in this case, you know, the, where I was last week, <laughs> uh, some people are going to choose out. They're, they're just, they're not going to choose. They're going to choose to let the overwhelm be the, the top and, and just choose out. And we, I know I don't get to be in judgment of that decision. It gets, it's their choice. And we, when we're talking about supporting somebody in overwhelm, you know, the biggest thing that we can do, like we said, you just sit with them, shut up, just be there. And at the end of the day, we can't care more about something than somebody else does. And so it's everybody's choice, whether they want to be in overwhelm or not. At the beginning of this episode, what I said was, you can hear a lot about overwhelm's a choice and it can sound like it's shaming. But ultimately, we get to choose whether we want to solve the problem or we want to be in the problem. And so that's the choice that you have in every single moment. I had a coach once who said he had a client. This is a health coach. And he says, I have a client and I want to, the client wanted to eat Oreos. So I really loved Oreos want to eat Oreos. And he says, it's okay if you eat Oreos, you can eat the entire stack of Oreos. That's fine. But when you're done with that stack, will, will you be done with Oreos for a while? Like just stop talking about Oreos. And the client said, yes. And then the client ate an entire stack of Oreos, but at the end they were over the Oreos. So you have a choice that you ride the overwhelm. You can let that thought of, I can't eat over Oreos. I can't eat Oreos. I can't eat Oreos. I can't eat Oreos. And that's all the only thing that consumes your mind. 
you're overwhelmed in Oreos, in thoughts of Oreos, or you can take a deep breath and say, I'm gonna eat some Oreos. And then when I'm done with those Oreos, the bag is going away. That's controlling your thoughts. That's giving yourself a, a chance to stop, rest, and be calm. That is not multitasking and thinking about a lot of things. That is focused on one thing, getting it over with, controlling your thoughts and moving forward. That's how you apply the tools of what we're talking about today. Obviously, in one specific task, most of us have about 50,000 of those examples coming at us at once. So we have covered a lot on overwhelm, kicking it to the curb. I want to talk to you just about next week. We have this, one of my friends, her name is Janet Tingwald. She is coming on. She's actually a love coach. And she's going to talk about leading the way in a woman's world, which is so interesting because what I hear a lot is, well, we're in a man's world. But what Janet says, what her point is, is that we're actually living in a woman's world. So I'm really intrigued about what she means by this and what this looks like and how we use uh, masculine and feminine energies, whether it doesn't matter what you, how you identify, we all have different traits. And so she's going to dig in and talk about that. We have this exciting show. And then I have October all lined up. You guys, I have all, like, you won't believe the people that are coming on as guests. It is going to be so exciting. So make sure you tune in every single Monday. I'll give you just a heads up. We've got Jesse Cole coming, who is the CEO of the Savannah Bananas. He focuses on people first. Look up Savannah Bananas. He actually, this guy owns seven yellow suits. I'm so excited to have him. We have Steve Simonon coming, who is the CEO of a specialty hospital. It's called Iowa Specialty Hospital. It's this large group. They figured out how to actually get people to drive multiple hours to come to their rural hospital to have elective procedures. Like people are driving up to three, four, five hours. They are bypassing major metropolitan hospitals to come to them. I mean, it's just this incredible story. He's coming. Cameron Hughes is coming. Cameron is the biggest fan. He, look him up. He's the chief fan. And he is hired by sporting events like uh, the the National Tennis Association, all these people to come and talk about, to, to raise the energy. So we've got so much coming up. Be sure you tune in. I'm here every single Monday. And I thank you so much for being a part of this show. Have a wonderful week. I will talk to you very soon. And remember, overwhelm is your choice. You get to decide whether you're gonna be in it or not. You can kick it to the curb, but remember, develop trust. Enjoy the people around you. Really be stop. Even in those crazy times, just stop, rest, be calm. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.